0: Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We are in Matthew chapter 11. We've seen woe proclaimed over Chorazin and Bethsaida. Yesterday we talked about Capernaum. Here's what verse 23 says, "'And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven?' No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until today. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So this uh, this verse says that Sodom would not have been wiped out. In fact, the city would remain today because if Jesus had performed miracles for Sodom, they would have seen the miracles. There would have been some repentance. The remnant would have increased and God's proclamation to Abraham would have remained true. But as things happened, no, Sodom did not repent. In fact, they were burned by God. We as a culture, likewise, bear resemblance to some of these towns we bear remarkable similarity particularly to sodom but here's what's funny about that it's actually better according to this text to be sodom than it is to be capernaum if the demand that we as christians who practice apologetics the demand that we face is miraculous proof it affects how we pray and how we conduct ourselves knowing jesus's proclamation here affects evangelistic strategy. If our evangelistic strategy is built upon performing miracles, then it could be that what we do doesn't increase converts at all. It could very well be that people see this. They taste the heavenly gift. They glimpse the power of the age to come. They bear witness to a miracle and then they walk away still unconvinced. Then what we have done is still, you know, in in obedience to Christ, however, but its effect has been to increase the condemnation on the recipients of our ministry. So it comes, it, it comes with a warning of evangelistic strategy. You don't need more miracles. You you are living in a miracle. You are a miracle. Like the, the 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 universe exists as it does, and that it exists at all is miraculous. You have sufficient miracles right now. You have all the miracles you could ever need. Don't insist upon increasing miracles. Here's the one miracle you need. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In fact, you don't need to believe in the healing of the blind man. You don't need to believe in the walking on water. You don't need to believe in the walking on water, the miracles that took place in Bethsaida. Here's the one miracle that actually saves. It's it's Romans 10, nine. It's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now that's a miracle because it's only possible by the Holy Spirit. And you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's Romans 10 9. That's the one miracle that you need to believe in. It's not just that the resurrection happened, but that God raised Jesus from the dead. Then the text says you will be saved. What's so meta cool about that is that that belief in that miracle is miraculous. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. They can't say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. And when they do believe, it's a miracle of God that lasts forever. That means that it actually eats temporary healing miracles for lunch. Because everybody who was ever resurrected eventually died. Okay, the child that, 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 that um, Elijah resurrected, well, you know, he, he died. The guy that was thrown in the bones of Elijah died. Okay, the, the, the funeral for the young boy where Jesus shows up and resurrects, the widow's only son, he died. Lazarus, resurrected in John 11, dead. Again, multiple funerals. Imagine the cost. Saved on the tombstone though. But everyone who was healed eventually died. The eyes of the blind man eventually would cease to see on the earth. The only thing that lasts forever is the gospel. And that's why there's this prophesied new heaven, new earth, this recreation of all that is here, because all that's here is passing away. So don't ask for the inferior miracle. If your evangelistic strategy and your whole apologetic method is based upon something that's temporary anyway, then see, uh, notice how short you're selling yourself and your ministry and the gospel, and how you're doing a disservice to those whom you minister. Okay, don't, don't be a conjurer, okay, that, that shows up and tries to perform tricks for people because what you may be doing is just further condemning them anyway. Rather, the one miracle that the people in your life need is the resurrection of Jesus. Everything else follows from that. What's also cool about this is that that actually follows from the example of Hades, which came up in this text. Jesus said that for uh, Capernaum, that they would not be exalted to heaven. They would go down to Hades. The majority of what we understand about the nature of Sheol slash Hades, Sheol being Hebrew, Hades being Greek, is from Jesus' own example about Abraham's embrace, this upper experience within the place of the dead, Hades or Sheol, a chasm separating the two, and then this place of suffering beneath. The rich man in Jesus' parable is in Sheol, in the lower part where there is suffering, Tartarus as it may be called, and he wants to go and tell his family members about this terrible place. But then he's advised by, in, in Jesus' parable, if they don't believe in the law and Moses they'll, and the prophets, like that, they'll never believe even if someone rises from the dead. That, that gives us most of what we know about Hades. That teaches us most of what we understand about the place of the dead in the Old Testament. And that's the place where Jesus tells Capernaum, you're gonna go. Will you go to heaven, or I think of heaven in this term as well, this is New Testament salvation. No, you'll go to Hades, that's Old Testament place of the dead. Wow, this is profound, this is shocking. You're gonna go to this place where there's separation and you're aware now of what is happening above you in the place of redemption. And those who would die in the Old Testament in the presence of Abraham, for those who would die after the moment Jesus died on the cross, paradise forevermore. And that's where Capernaum is headed. Don't then demand miracles because all the miracles of, Caper- of Capernaum just sentence them to Sheol, sentence them to Hades. Instead, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray that the miracle of the Holy Spirit takes place right there in the evangelistic moment. We may exhibit a lot of behaviors that are like Capernaum, that are like Sodom, Okay, Sodom is not given as an example here of a place that would repent in sackcloth and ashes. That's Tyre and Sidon. But we do, as a culture, we do exhibit Sodom-like behaviors. We're a little bit similar to Tyre and Sidon as well. Um, I kind of wish we were more like them because they actually are prophesied, described as repenting in this text. But what are we as Christians to do in and in as evangelists and apologists in a context that is more and more like Tyre and Sidon and Sodom? Capernaum, Bethsaida, Corazine. We pray for a revival. We pray for a revival. A revival that is not based on signs and wonders, right? But on the gospel being poured out by the Holy Spirit of God. Those are the kind of miracles that I want. That makes me more audacious than a faith healer because the faith healer is settling for temporary miracles. Even if the faith healer were real, what he does is temporary because they're all gonna die anyway. What I'm asking God to do here is more like what he did in Nineveh. So we don't wanna be like Capernaum. We don't wanna put on shows and we don't want miraculous proof for people. We don't wanna be like Bethsaida and Chorazin. They had more than enough miracles. The people who defied God the most, it seems, or rebelled against God the most, it seems, are the ones who beheld the most epic and physics-defying miracles Large-scale miracles of all time, Old Testament Israel, to this to this day, is in rebellion against God, denying that he, Jesus is the Son of God. We don't want that. We want Nineveh. There's an Old Testament city archetype for us to pray for. And the good news is that the prophet used by God to convert the whole city in mass, probably 400,000 people, was the worst prophet of all. <laughs> Jesus would use this example saying beware the generation that demands signs and wonders no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah for just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days so the son of man will be in the heart of the earth speaking of not hell but Joseph of Arimathea's tomb carved out of stone at great cost then that's the only sign they would be given that's the only sign you need by the way But that's the sign that you want. Beware, Jesus said about the generation that demands signs and wonders. May we be like Nineveh. There was no miraculous sign in Nineveh. It was just a warning given by the most reluctant prophet ever received by the leadership proclaimed to the people adhered to in sackcloth and ashes and repentance from sin, and then pardoned by God in, en masse. Hundreds of thousands of people saved. Gentiles in the Old Testament. That's what I'm asking God to do here. Not a show of miraculous tricks. I'm asking for mass repentance. Shows of miraculous tricks get you Bethsaida, Chorazin, and Capernaum. Mass repentance, beginning even with leadership, gets you Nineveh. That's what I'm praying for us.